Hicks and thankfulness to the band and all the fellas. Two, three, four, one. Such a night. Under the moonlight Such a night Such a night Got to steal away The time seemed right And just like that, we're back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Play stadium bets for the best odds, single game betting, and an all-star lineup of the top sports and leagues from around the world. ProLine players also score great access to regular promotions. Okay, right now, you can earn up to $10 free play tokens when you wager $25 or more with ProLine or or stadium bets. This offer is valid on all your favorite sports and tokens can be used on ProLine or Stadium Bets. This offer is valid from up to October 17th to the October 30th. Free play tokens must be used by October 31st, aka Halloween. Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. And welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. What a weekend it was here in Halifax. I hope uh, everyone listening had a great weekend as well. We were over in Bedford at the HRM4 pad, live streaming the Jordan Boyd Memorial Tournament. Uh, Our live streaming correspondent, Jeff Warburton, did a phenomenal job live streaming uh, the games over there. Also, I went to a, a comedy show, Tom Segura and uh, Bobby Lee had a great time at the Scotiabank Center last night with my brother. Uh, my brother actually lives up in Bridgewater going to school, so it was nice to have him back in the city. We went out, had a little dinner together, and uh, then we went to the comedy show. We were six rows from the front of the stage. It was just, it was incredible. The Scotiabank Center was jammed packed, jammed packed. Like, you don't want to say 10,000, but it only wasn't 10,000 because there's no seats like behind the stage, but everything in front of the stage all the way up to the, to the roof was packed. It was just one of those nights in Halifax that I'll never forget. And getting to wake up and know that you have Wendell Young on the podcast first thing Monday morning. It's just, you know, it was just one of those weekends that, uh, that, that, that you'll never forget. It was busy. It was fun. We got a lot of work done and, uh, and now we're right back into, right back into the swing of things here with a uh, podcast Monday morning. And, who better to have than Wendell Young, drafted in, I don't even know if I need to say off his resume, I'm pretty sure everyone, if you grew up in the the HRM, Halifax, Atlantic, Canada, you know who Wendell Young is, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, goaltender, drafted in the NHL 1981 draft, fourth round, 73rd overall to Vancouver, uh, he has been the general manager of the Chicago Wolves in the AHL for the past 14 years. That's kind of nuts. So, you know, if you have a job in pro hockey for 14 years, let alone being a goalie in pro hockey, now a GM. Anyways, it just some incredible stuff. Um, you know, before these 
past 14 years. He was the coach in Chicago for six years, played his OHL career with the Kitchener Rangers, uh, winning a Memorial Cup, played with Al McGinnis, and not to mention all the players that he's played with in Pittsburgh. You think of Lemieux, obviously, Yager, Coffey, Recchi, just some of the, the most incredible Hall of Famers um, to ever play this game. And you know, he grew up here in Halifax. He played linebacker at St. Pax High School. He was an all-Canadian fastball second baseman in 1980, the year before he got drafted. And he's in Chicago right now. He woke up early and jumped on uh, the podcast. Before it starts, I do have to thank Stan Henniger. Stan Henniger was my coach uh, in junior A when I played for the Marauders over in Dartmouth. And Stan and I keep in touch. And he's really good friends with Wendell. They grew up together. And Stan was the one who put me uh, in contact with Wendell and uh, we made this podcast happen. So Stan, if you're listening, I know you are. Thank you very much uh, for making this happen. And overall, you know, whenever you do these podcasts, I'm not going to lie, I I still get nervous. This is 400 and I think 410 episodes in. And when you have guys uh, like, like Wendell Young come on the show and you look at his resume and the things he's accomplished um, and the things he's still accomplishing, there's definitely a little nerves, but I will say this, as soon as I heard him speak and laugh within the first 10 seconds, the nerves went out the window. Just such a down-to-earth, real person. You know, it's hard to explain, but when you listen to this podcast, you'll understand how much this guy loves what he does. I said at the end, you sound just like a kid on your first day at the job uh, on a pro hockey team. Like he just, he still has that child, uh, that, that, that child mindset of just waking up and, and loving what he does. He was at the office this morning at 6am getting ready to talk to me on the podcast and he had the biggest smile on his face. You know, he just, anyways, uh, all yeah, just a great episode. Um, I hope that this uh, makes your Monday a little bit better. Uh, I know it definitely made my Monday great, uh, great episode. Once again, I'm Justin Belanger. We are talking to Wendell Young. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Here we go. You know what comes next. All right. Well, we are going, Mr. Wendell Young. Thank you very much uh, for joining the High Button Podcast. I appreciate you waking up at, what time is it there again? (laughs) It's before 7 o'clock. Before 7, so you're waking up earlier (laughs) at the office. I, I appreciate this. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So what part of Halifax did you grow up in? I'm a North Ender, a proud North Ender. And uh, people that knew the North End years ago, when I uh, say I'm from the North End, they raise an eyebrow. Like they're like, oh, the North End, because it was uh, known as a little bit of a rough area growing up. And we didn't know any different. We just thought every section of town was a, was, <laughs> was a little rough. Yeah. What it was back then was... Uh... What are the name? Was Jenny's around back then or Cousins yep. Diner? It was yep. around back then. Yeah, they're oh. all around. Yeah. There's North End Beverage Room. Uh, there was a, a bunch of places that were around that uh, don't exist now and uh, live live a legend. That's awesome. Was the was the fire court courts there? People still play hockey there and basketball to this day. Were the courts there? We're, I'm not sure. Like, so if you go across from Cousins Diner, there's a fire hall. Oh, 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 fire hall. So that was my school area. My school was there. St. Stephen's was there where the where the courts are. That was that was our recess area. And if you, just up the like part of the hill, because it was the two schools, we shared a we shared a, a common yard there. But um, yeah, my school was a part of the tennis where the tennis courts are. That's where my school was. Well, for me growing up, I grew up in Clayton Park, but I had friends that lived in the North End and they had, uh, they, they would always freeze the court and people would always skate there and play hockey. Is that yeah. where it, it kind of started with you? 
Uh, more my backyard, actually. My backyard. dad. Uh, yeah, I had, I've got older brothers and stuff. And like people ask, you know, when do you start playing hockey? I go, I don't even remember putting on my skates. I don't remember playing hockey. It was just natural. I think yeah. it's, do you remember walking your first step? No, it's like, it's, I think it's a Canadian thing. Um, ironically, I have a, a funny family picture. It's a picture of my dad. Uh, we're on, uh, I think, Chocolate Lake. Uh, it's my dad and my siblings, and it's a family picture, but I'm the only one that's not in the picture because uh, we were playing hockey. My feet were too cold, and I still remember that I was sitting in the car crying, eating crackers because my feet were too cold. And ironically, I'm the one that goes on to play pro hockey. That's awesome. That's incredible. Chocolate Lake. Do people still skate on that now? <laughs> that's awesome. Did, when did the when did the I guess decision come to 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 play in the net? How, how did um, that work? Was it your parents? Was it you? How did it work? No, I played defense my first year. Like it was like a six year old or whatever it was, five or six years old. And uh, I wanted uh, Bobby Orr was my hero. I was number four and I wanted to play D and all this stuff. And because uh, we back then, at one time, you only had three channels. And then we ended up getting cable came into existence and we got all the Boston stations. So we ended up getting the Bruins and the Red Sox and the Patriots. At one time we, we had hockey night in Canada and that was it. Again, I'm aging myself now. Um, but how I got in the goal, we were in the playoffs. Um, we were in our second game of, of two game total goal and our goalie couldn't make it in, uh, make it to the game. You only had one goalie on your team and the coach actually, stood up in the dressing room and said, who wants to play goal? Everybody put their hand up except me. I didn't want to play goal. And my older brother played goal, Daryl. I had no interest. My dad goes, are you sure you don't want to play? No. And then all of a sudden the coach said, Wendell, you're in. I can't pick amongst everyone else. You're going to play goal. And so no I went way. in, I like against my will. Like I didn't want to play. I got in. And then the first puck, I still, I, to this day, I still remember the first puck hitting my blocker and it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, this is great. I we end up with I end up with a 10 nothing shutout. I had like four shots and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And then the next game, our goalie's there. And again, being a five or six year old, I couldn't understand why I couldn't play goal the next game because I wanted to play so bad. And I, you know, if you have kids, anyone has kids and you can't reason with them and you can't get through them, that was me back then. I still remember in the old in the Halifax form. I'm down the hallway and my dad, I'm crying because I want to play the next game. That's how much I wanted to play. And my dad was trying to reason with me. No, but the, you know, the, your goalie's back. You got to play D and no, I want to play goal. It's one of those ones and couldn't get through. I've had moments with my kids like that, but I, I feel bad for my dad at that, at that moment because I wanted to play goal so bad. And next year I ended up playing goal and there was something there for me. That's incredible. That's that, the fact that you didn't put your hand up. <laughs> I, ended up I had no i had no interest in, in playing goal do you ever talk to that coach like thanks I for have, me. like in in the it, it was mike martin and i still remember and i in the you know in future i've had conversations about my my uh my future being it, you think a lot of things like it, you know in life not just in sports but certain things that happen or somebody has done that can change your life and that was one of the things it was a it was a life-changing thing for me. It was a life-changing thing for my family. Wow, that's all. That's incredible. Um, I, I had a question. I was looking at your hockey elite prospects. What uh, you played as an underager for the Cole Harbor Colts, but I'm not sure back then what league the Cole Har Cole Harbor Colts were in. What was it that would, league? It would have been the Metro Valley League, but like junior uh, was it? So it was be Halifax Lions. Um, 
and Ganesh had a team. Bulldogs. Yeah, like um, I'm trying to think who else. East Hans had a team. Halifax, Dartmouth had a team. Uh, so it was more. It was Metro. Basically, it was a. Uh, it was the tier two. Uh, it's. Um, but we like. I honestly was going to play uh, again. This is another turn in my in my hockey. I was going to play for the Halifax McDonald's because I I was the, one of the original members of the Halifax McDonald's. I was going to play again. And then Cole Harbor said, you know, are, would you be interested in coming out? So, you know, my dad and my mom said, you know, want to go over and try out. I say, I'll go over for the practice. I'm not going to make the team. You know, I was whatever, 15, 16 year old. And I said, I won't make the team. I'll just go over. Like after the first practice, they offer me, you step to sign a playing card type thing. Yeah. And they offered me the the position and I, I had to hold off because literally my parents said, you have to go tell your AAA coach and the team that you're moving on from them. Like you've committed to them. You better, you got to face the, you know, Amazing. face it that you're going to move on. And I end up going on and, and actually had a uh, fortunate to have a really good team. We won the league. Uh, I played on the all-star team. Like I was, I was fortunate to have a good team in front of me and things went well for me that year. And from there, uh, from going into you know playing tier two junior hockey as a young person it uh it opened a lot of eyes across canada and in my hockey uh, hockey ability wow back then was like the internet wasn't a thing back then so was the newspaper always the sports section i look at the sports section now it's definitely you know it is what it is but back then was there a lot more interest in younger players coming up across canada because now you can go on any form of social media and find out who the next big star is but back then, was the newspaper more relevant in, in, in finding out who's who? 100%. And yeah. I honestly, I get during my junior draft, and I find out afterwards, because there was, like you said, there was no internet. There wasn't a lot of communication at all. I found out I was the top-ranked goalie, and I didn't know. No like, way. There was no, you wouldn't know. You didn't have rankings. You didn't have all these people. And I was the top-ranked uh, goalie in Canada uh, for that for that draft. Um and so you didn't have it. And then talk about like newspapers, like everyone fought over the newspaper to get the sports section. Um, hockey news came in and there were some, there were some major fights in my family because, you know, you got, you got five boys and everyone's fighting over the hockey news because it was the Bible. And that literally you got your, your week, your news for the previous week because there was no internet. You didn't have instant stories yeah. and, you know, every team had a one story in there from every team. And, you fought over it and you read that from front to end and you were absorbed every story, whether it was true or not. And you just, <laughs> you, that's the way it was. You had to read uh, the newspaper and again, everything's so instant now. And uh, you know, the update of the scores and now with fantasy sports, like it's instant. It's unbelievable um, for, for the game. I think it puts way more, uh, so much interest in the game and makes the game even more exciting when you're uh when you when you can have all these stats and you know if you're in a fantasy league and that i think it just makes the game so much interesting absolutely i, I wanted to know if you had any conversations with al mcginnis because he was another prospect coming out of nova scotia you guys played in kitchener together i was wondering if you guys knew each other back then before you were teammates in, in kitchener i didn't know al personally uh i knew of al um we actually roomed together for three years in junior also. Oh, and, uh, Mike, Mike Eagles from Sussex, New Brunswick. We're the three Maritimers uh, on the Kitchener Rangers. And they used to call, they used to call us the Maritime Mafia. That's what they used to oh, call yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We kind of, we were fortunate. Um, our first year, 
we lost the World Cup final um, with a team that Kitchener had the worst junior team the previous year. And, uh, it was Brian Bellows. Uh, it was the Brian Bellows uh, sweepstakes to get in junior, and he ended up playing uh, for the team. And then Al came along, and Mike Eagles. Uh, Mike there was a ton of players on our team. And the second year, so my first year junior, we lost in the World Cup. Second year, we won it. Um, and with Al, uh, I always carry on about the, the second, uh, our, our Memorial Cup. But my second year, my defense was Dave Shaw, maybe played 10, 15 years in the NHL. Uh, my other two defensemen were Scott Stevens and Al McGinnis. So it made life easy for me when I played junior hockey. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, playing in Ontario, were you 16 in your first year up there? I was uh, 17. I would have been 17. Uh, I'm an August birthday, so I would have been 17 playing. It's- so, you know, there's always stories about when kids leave home at a young age, it's tough to adjust, especially up in Ontario. Now you have the queue and you can play at home. But, like, leaving, was that tough to 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 find your groove that uh, that young of an age? Yeah, it's tough. I think it's uh, – and I have a lot of sympathy for the, uh, the kids these days. They, they take off, um, especially there's so many places where – uh, all the prep schools and everybody leaves home. They're leaving home at like 13, 14 years old. And, you know, I was 16, 17, and I had a tough time the first part. You know, I wasn't playing a lot away. Uh, I was fortunate that I, I live with a great billet family, still stay in contact and to this day. The kids were little back then, and now they're they're big people with their own families now. So, and we stay in contact. And uh, uh, I think I was, I was, I locked out. Kitchener is a great place. Um, you know, I wasn't used to it. was the first time I was on an airplane when I was 17. Oh, yeah. to, to, they took me on a you know tour of Kitchener type thing. It's the first time I ever was on an airplane. You know, wow. coming to the north end, there's not a lot of people <laughs> were flying those days. Wow, what a that's a cool feeling. That's awesome. Where was the airport back? It was it just Halifax Stanfield? Yeah, Halifax that's Airport, yeah. 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 And I flew into the big city of Toronto and, <laughs> and someone picked me up and drove me up to Kitchener. So it was all you know, just uh, all new to me. And I was didn't know if I can play, like I didn't know if I can play triple A hockey. And it's, that's that whole progression. I didn't know if I can play tier two junior. And then I, I really didn't know if I can play major junior. And I thought I might go there for a while and yeah. I'll be back in Halifax, uh, probably playing for the Cole Harbor Coles. And if that, if that was the case, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong at all. So at what point did you have that conversation with yourself? You're like, okay, Wendell, you're pretty good at stopping this puck. How maybe I can turn this into a pro career, maybe somehow make some money. At what point did you have that conversation with yourself? Probably after I got drafted, because I never thought I was good enough for junior hockey and, and there was be no way. And I still remember having the conversation. My first year of junior, we had, uh, I lived with four other players. So there's five of us in, in this, in the bill at home. And, uh, Ironically enough, Al McGinnis and, and Mike Eagles and we're talking and they're talking about getting drafted and playing pro hockey. And I was like, you guys are crazy. You guys think we're that good? Because NHL players and pro players were God, you know, yeah. in our eyes. And, and especially to me, like I know Scotia four years was there and I used to go watch practice. And I'm like, oh, my God, th- these guys are just elite and they're 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 so far ahead. And they're like, I'm like, why are you why are you here playing junior hockey? And I go just the next step i was told to come here and play it was in my next step of playing i go i have no at the time like no true aspirations because i didn't want to i didn't think i was good enough to play pro hockey and i i was laughing and then all of a sudden you know here's al goes in the first round and mike and i get drafted and uh, you know it just goes on from there and all of a sudden i did i didn't realize till and again we didn't have 
all the internet and all the rankings. And I, I think the first rankings came out for junior hockey was in January. And finally agents were calling and calling my billets house to take me out. Cause there was no cell phones and yeah. they house to take me out for dinner and stuff. And I'm like, what's going on? Like they're going, well, you got, you know, you're rated to be drafted and we, you know, and I'm, all of a sudden there's interviews with teams and stuff. And I'm like, is this really happening? Cause I never thought like something was that happening. And uh, fast forward, I was in Kitchener season's over. I head back and I went to St. Patrick's high school. I went back and went back and joined in the classes and did finish my schooling at St. Pat's. And I came home one day and my mom said to me, somebody called you from, uh, like they said, they were from Vancouver. Um, I go, would you take a number? No. And I go, it's draft day. So I go, there's a chance <laughs> I might've got drafted. I went to school. I like, I didn't, you didn't know it was draft like, day. I, I, I kind of remembered, you know, it was one of those ones. Okay. And then I was in school. It wasn't like I was like, <laughs> Looking at the clock, I got to find out, you know, it wasn't one of those. I came home. I remember walking in the front door and, and I go, did you take a note? No, they said they called back later, maybe a half an hour, 20 minutes later, whatever it was. My agent called me and said, hey, you've just been drafted by Vancouver. And it was just like, no. and, okay, what's for dinner? Like, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was like, yeah, it was like, I don't want to say I'm jealous, but it, it's it's pretty cool to see the hoopla and the recognition of these kids when they get drafted. I think it's, I, you know, and for me, the kids kind of know they're going to get drafted uh, for the most part. I think it's just seeing the families and the excitement on the, on the parents and the, and the kid and their, and their siblings and friends uh, of them getting drafted and, and seeing so many kids fulfill the next step in their dreams, you know, their, yeah. their dream is to get drafted. And then the, then the work really starts to, to actually play pro hockey, but just to see the excitement of, of that next step is, is pretty awesome. Well, with all due respect, what are you doing playing linebacker for St. Pat's knowing that you might get <laughs> drafted to the NHL? You're risking injury. What, why did you play? I like my high school year, I, I was playing softball. Um, I would practice football on, on the commons then go to softball practice. Uh, then I had lacrosse practice and I had hockey practice. Like September was a crossover of all the sports. And uh, I was exhausted all the time. I played it, but football, I loved it. And so I remember I was playing uh, playing hockey and, and my mom was driving and I'm, I'm exhausted coming home from East Hans actually. And my mom goes, you got to quit a sport. And I said, okay, I'll quit hockey. And then she didn't say a word again. She never said a word to me. And ironically enough, probably five years ago we were talking and just kind of carrying on about something. And I go, I go, mom, do you remember? She goes, you remember that? And I said, what'd you say? What was your response? She goes, nothing. Cause I was shocked. And I go, I actually, I, I love football and I love playing in, you know, the box lacrosse. So it was like, it was cause it was, I wasn't playing goal and it was major contact. And I, I loved being a part of that. And it was, it was awesome. And, um, you know, my, my time playing football, I have great members playing football. I have great members playing the, playing lacrosse. And uh, it, I just think because I was – I'm not big now, but back then I felt like I was yeah. bigger than everyone or thicker than everyone or whatever it was. So it was, it was a fun way to uh, grow up playing the, those contact sports. I didn't know you played lacrosse. Do you know uh, Wayne Fink? Yeah, absolutely. You know- I, like this – I was – my – my the year we won the Moral Cup, we won uh, we won the Canadian Softball ch- Mid Championships, and I played in the uh, it was it would have been a Lobster Pot Tournament, which would have been the Canadian yeah. uh, Lacrosse Championships. I played all those in one year. It was kind of a wow a, a great time of sports for me, you know. And 
our St. Pat's teams weren't very good. Our Fort Needham teams were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but our St. Pat's teams were, we always had to play uh, QE and we wouldn't do very well against them. I heard you're quite a, a, a fastball second baseman. You were an all Canadian in 1980. That was the year, you know, we, uh, that, whoa, so that was the year that everything, that was the year. Yeah. That would have yeah. been the year. So 1980 there going, you got along. drafted in 81. Yeah. 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 So it was all, um, it was just everyone played different sports and that's, what's kind of, I, I, it seems like kids only play one sport now. And I think I was better in hockey because of playing baseball. My, maybe my catching hand was better. My reflexes were better. You know, just, I think playing other sports make you better, you know, probably hockey made me better in, in, in softball or football in some sort. Um, and it, I think it's too focused on one sport. I think there's got to be some release sometimes to go play another sport, uh, have a different group of, of teammates and friends and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, even though I, I had basically one common theme, like I think in every sport I played with Stan Henniger from the North end was uh, a common theme. Like we played hockey and softball. We played baseball together. We like, uh, all the time and all, all these teams. And he was a member of actually Stan was, I think he was MVP of that softball tournament. I think he was batting champ, uh, pitched a no hitter. Like it's just stuff of legend pretty well uh, with him in softball. He says there's a debate between you and him, whether or not who's the worst basketball player. Is it him or you? <laughs> Did you notice I didn't say basketball? Yeah. <laughs> I can still remember like playing whatever junior high or whatever, whatever it was. And like, I didn't have the coordination to, to do a layup and it was just <laughs> awful. It was like, it was, it, I, I would say it was, it was a closer resemblance to rugby than actually basketball when I played. Cause I just have no, um, I have no coordination. I can't dance. I can't do anything. Everyone's going like, well, you're a goalie. I go, listen, I've got hand eye coordination and reflexes. I said, but rhythm, none. And <laughs> basketball, you need rhythm in basketball. And I have zero of that. That's that's fun. I, yeah, uh, hockey athletes. I think hockey players are the best all around athletes. I just maybe I'm a little biased, but I don't know. I think we're all right at some some stuff. Yeah, I think like people like hockey players excel at other sports. Like I, like the swing of the baseball. You see guys taking batting practice with major league teams and they're knocking the ball out of the park. Like yeah. there's a natural swing. You know, of course, hockey players in the same. I guess rhythm of hitting a golf ball like some of the golfer uh, some of my teammates and some of my players right now are scratch golfers and like it's just oh, yeah. such a national and again i didn't have to shoot the puck <laughs> i have no coordination i wasn't very good at golf either <laughs> that's fair that's... See, see the rugby and the football you don't need coordination it just need to be <laughs> play hard and, and that's basically how i became a goalie i just like i was more based on work and doing everything the best of my ability than actual the skill because yeah. I, I say all the time that my I I was God given a little more skill than the average person yeah. but when you get to a certain level you look around and the amount of skill that's around you you're like you're humbled and you're kind of like mm, you're not so good at, you know and then it's it comes to working hard and it comes down to being you know first on the ice and I, I tell players all the time, don't give the coach a reason. Don't give the general manager a reason to just send you down. Like be the first on the ice, be the last off, work hard at every drill, be in shape, you know, yeah. just don't give a reason. And I, I feel when I let it as a GM, 
I feel if I let somebody, a player go, I'm compelled to give them a reason why I'm letting them go. And I said, just don't give them a reason and things will be good. Like, you know, whether you stick with that team or the next team, like don't uh, just do your best. And that's the way I, 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 I see my career as I think there was a lot of, more talented goalies around me, but I think I was a good team guy. And I think I worked uh, as hard as I could on and off the ice. I have, I have so many more questions about the GM side of things. I do need to ask one more question just about pro hockey in general, not in general, just a funny question kind of, because I'm mean, Stan and I were talking the other day and he said that when you guys talk, you talk for hockey like 10 minutes and then you guys just talk about music the rest of the time. Apparently you're a big music guy. And I know one thing about pro hockey is that concerts come and go through rinks. And if you look at your stats and where you've played, I was wondering if there was ever a time where, you know, a, a favorite band came to town or something and you just kind of hung out and got to see it or got to meet the band or something like that. Did anything like that ever happen in your career where you got lucky and the stars aligned? Well, I've been, I, I've been to a million concerts like this. Yeah. Is kind of my, I don't golf. So concerts, is kind of my, you know, my outlet. I love seeing them. I've, I've been around. It was funny. We were, Stan and I were, talking uh, about music and that's what we get onto because we have the same music taste and stuff and then i just sent him a sent him a, a shot and then me and me and james taylor or you know i forget who else they had or uh, i sent him one that i was in a picture with eddie vetter from pearl jam and uh pete townsend and billy idol in the same picture like just <laughs> I, I get i'm lucky i got a friend that, that runs our building um so every once in a while i'll get to meet somebody in the band like you know like Good, good, uh, you know, good East Coast. You know, I hung out on, ironically, with Great Big C um, on St. Patty's Day. So that yeah. was kind of uh, really cool. I went to their concert and I didn't know them. And I, people I was with knew them and were sitting around just talking, having a beer. And finally, I, I at the time, I had my Stanley Cup ring on. And they looked over, they go, what's on your finger? And they didn't realize, you know, that I had played hockey. And all of a sudden, they realized that it was me from the Maritimes. And they didn't even catch my name at the time. And all of a sudden, it just became, you know, I'm asking about about music. And they're asking about hockey. And it was a, it was a really cool evening. And I get the, like, I've seen you two, the Stones, you name it. Like, it's, you know, Aretha Franklin, like, the whole uh jack johnson like just i and there's a whole array of music that i've gone from uh uh i've gone it's funny because within a week i could go from seeing metallica to james taylor to you know uh, led zeppelin uh, led Stay zeppelin to heaven to, yeah. to adele so like my variances of music's all over the place and uh i just think it's phenomenal that someone could pick up an instrument and have a voice like that and just uh entertain somebody and like you know ed sharon by himself on stage just looping music like it's spellbounding because it's the fact that he's up there and he's got twenty thousand people just hooked and it's just him with a little <laughs> looper and plays the music and everyone's just it's so cool no frills just you know i go to small venues to see uh bands and just uh i it, i'm just a love music i think it's the one of the coolest things i think it's uh i think it's soothing i think it's some i think it's medicine for some people they, they need the music and i think it helps them through life and for me i'm just i i like the sound but i i i'm also amazed that almost like uh it's almost like a broadway play here you're seeing you know something being created it's awesome yeah, you're in a great city for it. Just to see it live too, that's awesome. 
<laughs> there's so much music to, to be seen here. It's uh, it's crazy, and uh, it doesn't matter what genre of music um, that you want to see. It's here, and uh, like I like I could go see a, a show every night, and it's uh, that's one of the things about being living in a big city. Uh, my kids are very fortunate to be to grow up in Chicago because everything they've uh, got a chance to 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 experience. You know, yeah. uh, music to theater to art, whatever they want, they want. It's pretty cool. Going through the the resume of your hockey experience, would you say that the 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 Stanley Cup championships in Pittsburgh and the people that you got to play with, some of the Hall of Famers that were, were there, would you say that was some of the most memorable times of your life? You, you listen, you know, obviously Lemieux, Yager, Coffee, the list goes on and on of the guys that you got to play with. Do you still pinch yourself and say, "Wow, I I, I experienced that." Absolutely, and you know. When you're in the moment of being on the team, they're just teammates. And that's the way, you know, and that's the way I think they felt about, you know, playing with me or whatever. It's just the weirdest teammates. Um, and that's the way things ran. It was uh, like somebody got too big on their britches. We bring them back down, whether it was Mario or, or me. Like, you know, we, we there was no, oh, he's Mario Lemieux. Yeah. At the same time, you know, we're in a game and it's, it's, Mary Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and we're, you know, we're playing against, you know, Edmonton or whatever. It's like, guys, do you, do you realize that we're playing in a game? Like two of the greatest players that might've ever played the game. Like, like I, I had still had that re like realization that, Holy God, I'm playing against Mark Meshe or whatever. And yeah. And the team, uh, and you, again, you don't think about it as much when you're there and Johnny Anderson, I used to play for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs for years um, he was my coach here in Chicago, and he said, told me one time, he goes, do you realize, like, how many Hall of Famers were on the team in Pittsburgh? And he goes, think about your centermen. He goes, you had Lemieux, Francis, Yager, and Trotche. Those were your centermen. <laughs> he goes, and then you go to, then you go to Mark Recchi, uh, Paul Coffey, Larry Murphy. Um, you know, we had Kevin Stevens scoring 50 goals a year. And, and, like, just, he goes, you know, Joey Mullen, Hall of Fame. Like, he goes, do you know how many Hall of Famers? I mean, and it, never really clicked until he said that i'm like that's unbelievable like though that i was you know i was just, I just talking to joey mullen the other day like he was my roommate like uh uh but it's you know and again it, any any team you play on it in, in any sport you're still you have that bond but when you win a championship it's like you know, I've got guys that I play with in Pittsburgh I haven't seen in 10, 10 years. Literally, if we we're walking down the hallway before we even got near each other, we would start laughing. Like it was just, oh, that's awesome. Start giggling. And, and again, you, you you talked about Stan, you know, playing. When we talk, we'll talk hockey a little bit and then we go on the music or whatever. And like I've been, we've had reunions of championship teams and we rarely talk about what happened on the ice. It's always really? like stu stupid stuff guys did in the dress room, you know, idiotic things. Or, <laughs> funny things or and, and mostly like embarrassing things that happen to each other and that's the way we go on we don't talk about a specific play most of the time we don't yeah that's that's funny. the best it's funny because we don't you don't reminisce that much about what happened on the ice like you know it was like you know everyone knows it was so cool that we did what we did on the ice but the funny the funny part, the human part is like stupid stuff in the dress room where, or if you're going to talk about something on the ice, it was something dumb somebody did in a game or whatever. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It was, it's, it's, it's so funny. It's just, yeah. Um, and again, being biased, I just think uh, hockey players are, 
so much more down to earth and um, unaffected by being picked on with each other. It's a part of the process, I think, in hockey to pick on each other. And uh, <laughs> if you're not being picked on, you're a little worried. Like, why? why yeah, are, exactly. You know, somebody picking on me because I'm, yeah. you know, you feel a little. Uh, they don't like me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it is. And um, and again, I'm maybe I'm biased with hockey, but I just think it's the greatest sport. Did anyone ever salute Yager when, like, when he walked in the room, like Yager? Like, was it ever an insight? Nothing. No. Everyone left him alone no. with the salute. No, he was. No, he was fine. Uh, no, like he was the guy we always threatened to cut his hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> maybe because I was jealous, I didn't have any. Maybe that's why I was saying stuff. But no, you know what? It was just. Uh, it was just. You come in and it's, it, it's not like, the, they were one of us. They're this like like all these Hall of Famers like they. And that was great because they didn't have the arrogance and, you know, like Brian Trotschek is one of the funniest guys. Like he's always giggling about stuff and <laughs> just laughing. And if stories take five hours to tell it, I used to always laugh. I go, I'm going to grab a coffee and I'm going to go for a run on the treadmill and I'll be back to get the punchline of your story trots. Cause it's, he tells the longest story and he's laughing about 10 times before he gets the punchline out, but just, you know, hanging around with those guys where it was, was amazing. Just, to, you know, especially a guy like Brian Trotche that, you know, won four Stanley cups in you know, four years in the early eighties with the Islanders, just to hear the stories. Cause you know, again, you grow up on, you know, you've seen Clark Gillies and Nystrom and all those guys. So you you get, you get excited about it. And that's what you want to, you know, you just want to hear stories. Like I get to meet, you know, I had Phil Esposito and Tony Esposito as GMs in my career and just sitting and uh, talking stories, hockey stories about, you know, with the Boston Bruins, which I grew up on being fans of. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to absorb as many stories. And is, was this story true? Because you hear all these stories and it was a story true. And, you know, you get the real yeah. story sometimes and it's just awesome. That's incredible. I was at the Mellon Arena once. Great rink, great barn. <laughs> I was there like the last year. I was there for a Sid game. It was one of the last years they were there. I walked in and like your, your feet were sticking to the floor. Oh, like it was like just from years of years of years of spilled drinks. I didn't realize and uh, I, I got invited back as one of the players uh, when they played their last game in the, in the old igloo. Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize how crappy it was. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize that again, it's something you don't realize when you're there and then you're gone, you come back, you're like, Oh my God, these hallways are so tight. The dressing room is small and this, and, and you start looking and you're like, this place is a dump right now. And I'm like, and even I'm like, what, it didn't seem that way when I played here. It seemed like a, a castle when I played. No, now it's like a, it looks like a dump. Like, and it was, it was long needed to be taken down. Was there ever a fight? Because I saw when the guys came out of the room, they had to skate past the away team warming up. Was there ever like an incident you remember playing there where it's like someone bumped into someone or was it always smooth sailing? Because I thought uh, it was weird that you guys had to go past. Yeah, um, I don't think. I don't think there was any true fights, but um, there, you know, of course there's going to be guys bumping guys or shooting pucks at each other yeah. and stuff that probably got straightened out during the game. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, well, <laughs> the, 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 the hatred back then is so much higher than it is now because I, I find players are in so many camps together. They're all their agents have camps. It seems like everyone knows everyone now. Yeah. Back then there was, there were, I think there was true hatred. Like I think if somebody walked into a bar, there'd be a fight. Like it was true hatred. It wasn't just now it seems like something will happen. It's on the ice. And it like back then it carried away from <laughs> off the ice too. Like, you know, you wouldn't, 
I, like I've been in places like, oh God, that something might happen here because it was true hatred. And I don't think you see that now. You see the competitiveness of players now, but I don't think there was true hatred back then. When you started in Chicago, you were the assistant coach for six years. And then in 2009, you switched over to the GM side. What was the, I guess, thought process of, okay, maybe my talents are better off on the GM side rather than on the bench? Well, I, I really think if you look around hockey there's a lot of goalies that are gms not so many coaches but a lot of gms and in management um you can go around and i'm amazed how many in my meetings people go yeah i you know i play goal here or play goal there i didn't realize it but i think the analytic uh mind that they see the game i think goalies see the game you know i sat in the net and watched hockey in front of me or i sat on the bench and watched a lot of hockey and um you know i was in uh I owned a part of the Halifax Mooseheads. I owned a part of Lewiston Maniacs back in the day when they were in existence. And um, just the whole, I like the financial side of stuff. But I like the sport. I like the um, the whole mechanism of, of the game that way. Um, I was sitting with some NHL GMs uh, one day, actually at the draft. And we're sitting around, we're talking. I go, do you know what we do for a living? And they were like, well, we do this and do that. I go, we actually play fantasy hockey for real. We actually play with real players with real money. I said, you guys more on a higher level. I'm in the American league, but think about how much money you guys are. You guys have the salary cap and you guys got to get the best talent for the least amount of money. And you got to play, you're playing fantasy. You're putting guys on injury reserve. You're sending guys down. You're trading for guys. I said, you're playing the, the at the time, I think it was 31 teams or 30 teams, maybe back then, uh, but I said, you're one of 30 in the world that play real NHL fantasy hockey. That's what you do for a living. And it's a, and they were like, I go, no. Like, I, I know that a bunch of them didn't even look at it that way. And it's kind of, I think it gave them a, a better view of what, you know, reality. And that's what they're doing. They're using real people and real money for fantasy. And that, and I, I think that all intrigues me. I like, I'm, I'm glad I got to stay in the game. Um, I, I've always had my... You know, when I retired, Kevin Shoveldayoff, which is the GM of the, of the Winnipeg Jets now, he was the GM here. When I retired, we went for lunch, and uh, he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, I actually want your job. And he kind of stepped back. He goes, it's not available right now, is it? I go, no. I go, but I think when you leave, um, I'd like to step into that job. And so in the meantime, between playing, I, I went into coaching for a bit. I was a Calgary Flames goalie coach for a couple of years. I still work for the Chicago Wolves. Uh on the executive side. Um, then I went into coaching and then when Chevy, uh, Chevy left to become the assistant GM with the Hawks before he moved on to Winnipeg. Um, yeah. that's when I stepped into the position of, uh, of GM. I'm like the guest that never leaves here. I, I went that's from, the best. Yeah. Love <laughs> just, uh, yeah, it's, um, it stems from our owner. Our owner's awesome. Uh, we have a great owner and Don Levin here and, uh, treats everyone with respect and, uh, choose everyone first class. Like that's the big thing. Players that have played here, um, their best memories are playing for the Chicago Wolves because the, the way they're treated and the respect they're given. Um, we're excited as an organization, not just having guys move up in the, uh, up to the NHL, but just being better people and appreciative of, of the game. Um, that's what we want out of the, our guys. And uh, it pays us back, you know, so yeah. much, uh, you know, with the with our reputation around of what our organization's about, and um, you know, it starts on the top from our ownership and filters down through me. And expectations are high. Like I, I put high expectations on our 
coaching staff and high expectations on our players. But the one thing I said, you know, you make them realize that we are so fortunate to be in the game. Um, I'm fortunate to, you know, basically both the only thing I did was is hockey and how fortunate am I? And, you know, so I, it was funny last year, I said somebody in hockey, I said, how are you doing? He goes, you know, we're working in hockey. How do you think I'm doing? Yeah. I'm doing great. <laughs> like, you know, this is what I do. They, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of frustrating days and a lot of days you're just going crazy and things are happening and things you can't control. But, uh, but you know, you, you sit back and face reality. I'm working in hockey and I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to watch hockey all the time. And, uh, I had Grant Mulvey as my first coach here that used to Grant used to play for the Blackhawks and I think New Jersey and stuff. And he sat back one day and he said, you know what, you, you, you're, you're a disciple of hockey. And I go like, what are you talking about? He goes, you love the game and you preach the game. You help with kids. You, and I caught myself. And even today, like our practice, so there'd be kids on the ice and I'll stop and I'll watch the kids game. Cause I love watching hockey. I love everything about the game. And, um, and again, we, t we talked earlier about, having access to all the analytics and stats and all that stuff, it just makes the game even more interesting. Like instantly you're watching a game and, you know, there's face-off percentages or whatever. And, it, and it, yeah. I think it makes the game more of a chess match and uh, than it used to be, like, you know, it used to, it used to be the eye test. Uh, but I think the mix of analytics and the eye, eye test is, uh, is awesome. That's great. I yeah, the game's changed, and if you're able to adapt to it and learn from it, you can definitely become better at your at your at your job for sure. But well, I, I won't. I, no, sorry, the ones that the ones that the ones that stay in the game a long time, they adapt. Uh, it's it's simple as that. Like the, the game's not the same. Um, the basics of the game is the same, um, but the game has changed, especially the way you judge players through analytics. Um, you know, I still use the eye test, but I I would use analytics as a part yeah. of the help. You know, and in reality, when you look back in the day, you know, you know, goals, assists, plus minus, penalty minutes back in the day, those are analytics. Those are stats, and you use them to your advantage. And you know, when I'm looking for players, the first thing I look for is their points and points per game, and uh, you go from there. That's the basics of analytics. Then you can get really in depth, and you can actually paralysis by analysis they call it but uh, you can go too far down that that dark hole but um but i think the combination of everything and the, and the gms you, you see the gms that last a long time in the nhl they've adapted they've got people around them and um you know would you think that a jimmy rutherford would sit in a room with a bunch of people that do analytics just analytics but that's what happens now that's why uh, people like jimmy rutherford and stuff last so long so who's the gm um, of carolina right now donnie waddell so Donnie Waddell, what's the cover? How often are you talking to to Donnie on a daily basis? Well, the organization um, between their uh, Donnie Waddell and the assistant GMs every day, sometimes ten times a day, depending on what's going on. Um, yeah. And it's my daughter put it best. Like she goes, "You're never off," because I've taken calls on New Year's Eve, I've taken calls on Christmas Eve. Like uh, you know, an agent would call because you know we play on the twenty sixth and. I need a player or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, I'm always working. Like it's my phone's always on and I'm always working and that's the nature of hockey. And that's the nature of the business. Now that's again, a, a change from years ago, you know, um, everything's instant, you know, you do a player transaction, it's instant, any communication, it's instant. If there's a, um, something happens in a game, the league office can see it right away. Uh, back in the day, you used to have to edit tape, edit VHS tapes, you know, put them back and forth 
and put them in the mail, uh, you know, FedEx them overnight and you might get a, a ruling on a, on a hit, you know, a week later, you know, now it can be instant. So, um, and again, that's the evolution of the game and the evolution of stuff off the ice that, uh, you know, makes the game better. But, uh, but yeah, it, we're in conversation all the time. Like I'll, uh, and there's a lot of things. It's not just on ice hockey. Like I've got, you know, I've got Russian players on my team that can't speak English. So I'm trying to find a Russian translator or more, more so a Russian teacher. So they can, we're going to probably do classes, uh, uh, twice a week to let them, uh, be taught English and at least, you know, be able to have conversations with uh, their teammates and that, you know, we've got, uh, we got one Russian that speaks zero English. I got one that can get by and then the other one is kind of the interpreter right now and he still struggles sometimes, but, um, you know, stuff like that, like getting a car, like, do you have somebody to help them get a car? Like not just, uh, you know, driver's license. I've got, you know, I've got Finns, Swedes, Russians, and <laughs> now they got to get a U.S. Uh, driver's license. So I'm making calls to, you know, I made reached out to a buddy of mine that works in the drivers, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what they need. They got to take, you know, the road test and, finding places like it's just there's a lot of things like that are not just hockey that you got to deal with and uh you know like you gotta i always say i got three kids at home and 23 in the dressing room because <laughs> it seems like you're always looking after stuff and things i believe happen. it i didn't you know it's a joke amongst management it's like that really wasn't on my resume that way. I don't know. Sure. Why I'm taking care of this. Cause it wasn't on my resume. This isn't something that's under my job description, but, uh, but you do it because you're, you know, you're trying to do good for your players. And, you know, as a GM, you try to get rid of as many distractions uh, for the players and uh, spoiling them, I guess is a better way to put it, but we try to eliminate all distractions, give them every uh, avenue to succeed and get to the NHL. Well, good. I want to know what the what conversations are like with your brother Daryl. Is is it more family? How is everyone? Or is it more? Hey, have you seen this kid in Moncton last week? He put up six goals in one game. Like, what's that relationship like? Because I know he's heavily involved in, in in this game we like to call hockey. Well, what 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 are your guys' conversations like these days? Uh, it's a bit of both, actually. Yeah. It's uh, like I, I lean on on him a lot for players and uh, his opinion, uh, especially in the Quebec League. But I he knows players everywhere. Like I'll give a, I'll throw it a name and he'll tell me what high school he went to. Like, it's just, it's crazy is, is vast knowledge of, of players and things about them. And, uh, but I, like, I've reached out to him uh, a lot on, on players and, and what his thoughts are, you know, you know, you know, last year I go, can I get a list of the tough guys from the Quebec league? And he rattled them off right away. He didn't even have to say, let me, you know, let me think about it. Yeah, he yeah. the guys off. Or if I'll ask, like, is there a right-handed D, you know, overage? He'll right away, he'll, here's the guy you want. Like, it's just the vast knowledge. And yeah, we talk hockey uh, um, quite a bit. Because, you know, again, he's he's a disciple of hockey. He's been in hockey forever and uh, love the game, love watching it. You know, he watches a lot more hockey than I do. He watches so many games and uh, sees so many kids and, uh and you know, truly, and uh, with him, deep down, it's about the guys getting a chance to play pro hockey. Like he, like he takes a lot of pride in having, in some way, having guys fulfill their dreams, whether it's the NHL, the American League, or East Coast League, whatever. Just the, that the kids can go on and be successful. 
That's great. I, well, he co he scouted for Vancouver. You were drafted by Vancouver. I kind of skipped the question, but was it a little not bittersweet? Obviously, getting drafted by anyone in the NHL is unbelievable, but it's the West Coast. And you're saying when you're growing up on TV, all you could see was Boston play, or you said Boston or Montreal, you can't see anything out West. Was that like bittersweet? Was it like, ah, if I play, how is everyone going to see me? That That's the thing. And my first NHL game, I think my parents had to wait until the next morning to get the newspaper. And sometimes the Vancouver games didn't make the, the press uh, uh, time to, <laughs> to, to, to make the press because it was, uh, you know, it was being printed before the, the game wasn't over when it was, it was being printed. But that's the thing. Like, they don't get the yeah. – now you can watch every game and stuff. But back then, like, no one no one in my family saw my first game. So it's a, it's it's kind of a – but it's – but everyone accepted it. Like it wasn't that way. It was the same thing as I was talking about the draft. Like it wasn't a thing and it was just, okay, was let's thing. move on. was what let's it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, last question for, for anyone looking to have a career in pro hockey, it's such a, I don't want to say a rare thing, but to be a player, then to move on to the coach, the GM side and, and last as long as you're lasting, what's the one, I think, maybe personality trait or one skill set that you think that you portray to, to, to have this long career in hockey? What's one piece of advice you would give to that person trying to, to mimic your career, essentially take your job? I, I, I think it's just hard work. I think it's hard work. Um, try to be a good person, try to do the right thing in the game. Like, you know, as competitive as, as I am, like I'm super competitive, but I still have friends that I'm really competitive with like other GMs. My other GMs are some of my good friends. Like we could be at each other, you know, at game time and stuff, but then games over, like we're best friends again. And uh, just, um, you know, show that you care about the game and everything. And then, and again, it goes back to my career. I, I, I try to be a good teammate. You know, I try to be the best teammate. Um, I did whatever it took for the team to win, whether it's on or off the ice uh, for the team to win. And I, I think that's a big thing. I, and I, I I say this all the time about people from Nova Scotia and people from the Maritimes. I think we have an inferiority complex. Sometimes we don't think we're good enough to play uh, play the game or be involved in the game sometimes. And that's not true if you start looking around the amount of players that have come out of uh, out of the Maritimes, but we still have that uh, we're not good enough to play uh, attitude. And um, I try to point it out that the amount of players that have come out of the Maritimes and look at some of the top players in the NHL right now, you know, with Crosby and McKinnon, Marshawn, like, you know, the, you know, we talked about when I played Al McGinnis and, you know, all these guys that have, that have been around out of the Maritimes. Uh, uh, I think it just comes down to, you know, I, I find that, on most teams and the, anybody from Nova Scotia or the Maritimes, uh, they're the most well-liked guys on, on the teams. And a lot of times they become captains because the, there's, they put their head down and they work hard. That's what, what you have to do to succeed. Mm. Well, I'm sure your brother, Daryl, tells you about the talent around here. It's up and coming. We're at tournaments every, you know, probably every second weekend. And some of the things these kids are doing now, it, it blows my mind. I'm not that far off from, from playing, you know, 10 years ago. But what they're doing now compared to 10 years ago, it's unbelievable. They they want it. They're hungry. And they're playing the right way. They're playing the they, right way, these kids. They, it's The game is – the skill level is off the charts. Um, yeah. It's just because, because now, again, uh, specialized – skating nutrition like they're so far ahead and that's why the nhl is so young because they've been trained for since such a young age 
they're ready. When they get to, a lot of the players, when they get to the NHL, they're ready. They're saying, oh, they need this time. Some of them are ready right away because physically they're, they're ready. Um, skating wise, they're ready. And it's not, they don't, uh, some guys don't have to take that time in the minors and that in the league is younger because like the, it's, it's, it's the speed of the game. Like it's just, uh, the game is so much better. And, you know, it's funny, you look back and watch some of the old, old uh, games and you're like oh my god that was so slow and look <laughs> at the way they played and um you know again it's it's a matter of the error but um just see the speed and and being if you go down by the glass during a game and this could be midget hockey or whatever it's unbelievable how fast the game is mm. it's it's so quick and and you know you got to be able to skate back in the day you can get away with you know hooking and holding and not being able to skate and you know like I, I said I was looking for a tough guy last year and I said the guy's got to be able to skate he can't embarrass himself out there he's got to be able to skate and I said I need one of the better skaters on your team that's tough because it's that's what you need you can't play the game unless you're first of all be able to skate and then you know you got to have the hands too yeah it's got to be a combination of everything now yeah absolutely. I, I I have one question about the leadership ability within the NHL. Like, there's a little bit of controversy over like Suzuki and Montreal being the captain. Like, ah, he's too young. He's not ready. Being in the dressing room in a pro organization, what's your thought process on on the leadership ability? Is it okay for someone to be a bit younger, or do, would you mind a grizzled vet? I guess a grizzled vet in pro hockey is like 30 now. But okay, what's your so thought process on that? Especially now, the long term contracts, like. It it's it's fine to put it on a young guy because there, there isn't that there used to be a division of older guys young guys rookies vets there's very little of that now okay. and again the way it is now the older guys can still lack for a better word run the dressing room or run the team while the figurehead is the, the guy with the letter and it's you know like here i, I was a goalie and i couldn't be a be a captain and like so many of my coaches go, you know, you're one of the captains. I can't put a letter on you, but you know, you're one of the captains because, you know, you, you lead the guys or, you know, yeah. you work hard and it's a leadership and, and it's the old thing. You don't need a letter to be a leader. And that's what I think happens in the dressing room is like some of the older guys can come in and, um, but again, you're looking for somebody that's going to be there long term, and a guy like Suzuki, he's going to be there long term, and uh, put it on him. And he's a hard worker, and he, you know, he's a good guy, the whole deal. So. Um, you know, he, he, you, you put it on the face of the organization and it's worked in other places. Look at, you know, look at Taze in Chicago, look at Crosby, you know, go through when you have skilled guys and put the, put the letter on them. Uh, uh, it, I think it, it makes them lead even more too. It's like an enticement for them to, to lead when you put the letter on them. And I, I know I keep saying last question. I swear, Wendell, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Again, again, I love talking hockey and I love talking, you know. <laughs> good. Is, is anyone in the I, office like, yet? No one's here yet. No, no. <laughs> I'm I good. I, like, uh, I'm good to talk. And again, it's, uh, as I said, like, we're talking hockey. How how bad a morning is this? It's like a great exactly. We're talking hockey. Monday morning, that's your job. Talk hockey. That's it. Um, have you seen the movie uh, Moneyball, Brad Pitt? Yep. Baseball. Yep. And like he's the GM and he has a weird style where he doesn't get too close to the players because he has to like sometimes deal them and he doesn't want to build a personal relationship with them. I was wondering what your style was. Are, are you cool saying hello to the players, maybe giving a little bit of advice? Or do you like to talk to the coach and the coach talk to the player? Like what's your style? No, I'm down in the restroom all the time. Are you? And I'm down. I'm just hanging out and I'll laugh about stuff and I'll say stuff to the players and I have no um 
You're just trying to listen to the music, see what the kids are listening to. Yeah, I want to see what music, (laughs) and and I'm worried about their music taste sometimes. uh, uh, But yeah, it's, uh, no, I I, I want them to feel comfortable here, and that's one of the things that my my initial meeting with them before the season started, I said, you know, again, we're playing hockey, I want a smile on your face, I want you to come here, work hard, Uh, you know, I'd like to win, and and work hard, but the bottom line is, I want you guys to be happy that you're that you're here. And um, like, I'll go down, and I'll have a coffee, and hang around, and yeah. you know, we'll talk hockey. We'll talk about other things. And um, no, I'm around them. Uh, I it, I kind of look at kind of like being a being a dad, uh, trying to be. I, I'm not friends with them, but being friendly with them. Uh, but the respect factor is still there. Like uh, you know when. I speak about something that needs to be spoken about. They'll, they'll listen. It's mm. not, you know, they, they know, they know the difference between me being serious and me carrying on. And when I'm serious, they better listen. And it's a, it's like a, uh, that same being a dad situation. I feel, and no, I'm, a, I'm, I know a lot about the players and I, and this day and age too, it's, it's communication. It's not, you know, you got to know the players, you got to know about the players and you, you want to know about their families and, you know, it's the thing I'll be having a coffee and I'll go, Hey, you know, you know, where'd you grow up at? You know, what, uh, you know, you got brothers and sisters and you find out about the families and, um, you know, because you're, you're going to be around them. So, you know, you're going to be around them all year, maybe for multiple years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a very, uh, again, that's the evolution of the game. Everyone Everyone knows everyone. I had a player call me, uh, Mr. Young, the other day, and I go, I haven't heard that. I go, that's my dad. I go, that's not me. I go, you got to call me Wendell. I don't want to be called, you know, Mr. Young. He goes, okay. I just, you know, I go, no, I get, I get the respect factor, but please, come on, like, I'm gonna see a whole bunch. Just leave it at that. So, uh, but yeah, the 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 being around the players, I, like I'm around all the time, and you know, I'll carry on with them and uh, just. You know, it, it, we're we're all in it together, and we our 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 organization has a thing. Uh, we have a core covenant. Uh, it's about the whole wolf by itself, and the wolf of the pack gets stronger. You know that that whole thing. I think it was by Kipling. Uh, but the first thing on the core covenant is family first, and that's when I tell tell them kind of go over the core covenant with them. I go, that's your immediate family, which is your you know your parents and your siblings, but you have a hockey family too. So get to know your family in here. And, and again, everything you do, you're representing the Chicago Wolves, but you're all representing your family, and your family is you know your your parents and everybody, and it's your teammates. And if you're not working hard, you're disrespecting your family. If you don't back check hard, you're disrespecting your teammates, which is your family. So it all I intertwine all that, but that's truly we consider ourselves as a family. That's great. Must be nice to go into work every day knowing everyone's on the same page, and it's a, it's another family. That's great. It's exactly it's the work environment you want to have. You don't want to uh, you want them to come to work and enjoy working hard and. Um, and that is the, you know, they'll be successful, whatever they do, whether it's hockey or anywhere they go, like yeah. enjoy what you do. Who's behind you? The bobbleheads. Who is that? Who's up there? Uh, who do I have? Uh, Brandon Perry, Norm Miracle, Brian Noonan. These are all, uh, who else is up there? Johnny Anderson, Steve Molte, uh, Curtis McKenzie. Um, I think Curry Lettman's up there. Wow. Ben Simon. Yeah. Whose helmet's that in the back? 
That one there, I think that's Chelios or Al Seaford. We had a 25th anniversary here, and uh, and again, you know, Chelly played here and Al Seaford played here. Oh, yeah, he did. in Chicago, yeah. so they both played here. And actually, the, when I took over GM, that was my first move to bring Chris Chelios in. And uh, was it? It was awesome because Chelly's around here all the time. And uh, again, it, it's hockey. He's humbled and just. He was awesome for the guys to to show them how to be in shape. Like he was just like literally, we have a we have a dry sauna in our dressing room, and there's a bicycle in there. There's a bike in there, and uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's uh, it's called a desert ride. So it's literally you go in the dry sauna with a bike, and you ride the bike, and you and you have jugs of water, and you and you ride, and you basically flush everything out of your system. And uh, it's he's he's famous for it, and literally. The bike, the bike, a bike still in the in the in the dry sauna. <laughs> People still do it, and I had some players go. Is that just a, in there as a as a memorial type thing to like, honoring you know Chris Chelios? And I go, no, guys still use it, uh, but they you know that's one of his big things. But he was awesome for the guys to to be. Um, I bet to learn, learn how to be a pro, and he's like he's so humbled. Like like we had our first home game, and everyone's gone because Chris always works hard after and and. You know, it's like a freak of nature. Like he stays in shape and stuff. And um, he asked me where the guys go for a beer after the game. And I said, you know, over this local spot. And he goes, do you think they'd mind if I come over and had a beer with them? And I'm like, they'll freak out to have a beer with you. <laughs> I go, Chelly, do you know, know who you are? Like, he goes, no, I don't want to like infringe on their things and stuff like this. But and, like, it's not like, you know, he'd walk in, hey, Chris Chelly was here. That's uh, no, he, 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 literally asked me you think they would mind me having a you know coming over having a beer with them and you know then he became one of the guys like that's great that's awesome seriously and uh, yeah you talk about loving again, hockey that's it you know? I just, I just love you just love you know that's the humbleness of the game and um and again as much as they're high on a, a stature like we talked about the hall of famers that i had with you know there's just Sometimes, you know, they're normal guys. Some guys, like some of the best players I play with are some of the most insecure guys too. You don't, like you don't think about it and you think, oh, they're, they're all this. But, you know, they have they have issues off ice too. Like, you know, and they're, and they're insecure. And uh, you come to realize some of the top players, like they're so used to being great. Uh, like they're almost insecure of not succeeding or being great or somebody thinking other than that and so you, you see that dynamic it's um it's almost a pressure to be great all the time and it's attack it, it taxes some of these guys like it's hard on them not to be great every play and every every night i believe it me like me playing goal like i think people expect me to have a bad game more than have a good game everyone expects <laughs> the superstars to have a great game every night like if i no had a pressure. good game, if i had a good game that was that was special like, you know what i mean if i had a bad game oh, we just had another bad game but the but the guys that are those elite guys like they expect everyone expects it. and when i say everyone i'm talking fans to coaches to management you expect an elite game every night and sometimes yeah. it doesn't happen just out of whatever or you know maybe something's going on at home like people don't think about that like you know maybe something's going on you know they're 
I don't know, his, his wife's having a bad pregnancy or whatever, you know, something happened, you know, got bad news about, you know, somebody in the family or whatever yeah. people. And then they go and have a bad game and everyone's criticizing. You don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And again, I, I'm a fan of sports and I see it and, and I think that way myself. And that sometimes you get a step back going, hmm, something might be going on, you know, yeah. in their personal life. Who knows? Do, do you have a, a story about the battle of Pennsylvania when you were in Pittsburgh? Well, when I first went to Pittsburgh, um, I actually came, I was in the Philly organization for a year, um, played probably a half dozen games for the Flyers. I played for Hershey, their firm team, and we won the Calder Cup. And that year I got traded to Pittsburgh. Now, the old Philly spectrum, the Penguins hadn't won, I think it's four, it was 48 games going into from Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh hadn't won in Philly in 48 games. My first game back, we ended up breaking that jinx, and there was a whole big thing. Wow. Like, there was a thing on one of the radio stations, everyone bringing their lucky charms and stuff like this, and people were bringing in obscure stuff to the, to the, and we promoted it, you know, let's break the jinx. And, like, we had, like, uh, a chip out of a seat from the old Three River Stadium where Willie Sturgill hit the seat, broke the chip, the thing, or the guy had it as his lucky charm, <laughs> brought it in and like basically donated and like this. And we end up breaking the jinx after I think it was 48 games going into an arena and not winning. And then we won. So, but that back then the battles were hard because both teams were really good. Um, and there was some, and again, there was some hatred. Uh, and I know when I, when I first went to Pittsburgh, um, one of the big things we brought in some tough guys, like we had some guys that would uh, drop them and, you know, we had Lemieux and Coffee and all those guys on the team, but we also, I think we had the toughest team in the league, and I think we had the most penalty minutes in the league. Uh, wow. uh, people don't realize because the, the battles were heavy. Like, we'd go into Jersey and, you know, Danico and McKay and all these guys were there. So there, it was, back then, the Battle of, of Pennsylvania, it was really a battle because there were some heavy scraps every night. Oh, yeah. So I, well, I learned about it through watching Sid because before they would show the ABC broadcast, they would hype it up by showing <laughs> the history of it. And then you're like, whoa, I didn't didn't really watch Pittsburgh play before I saw Sid and they show the history and you're just like, whoa, what the, what's good. It's crazy. Some of the things like the, some of the highlights from those, from those battles, incredible. You know, and before, uh, you know, I was a member of the Penguins, like Philadelphia had some bragging rights too, because they had won Stanley cups and, you know, in the seventies and Pittsburgh hadn't won any. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to be there for their first two and, uh, it was kind of the turning of the tide uh, you know, that Pittsburgh uh, uh, had some pride and, uh, you know, had some bragging rights, I guess, more than anything. Awesome. All right, Wendell, I'm going to let you go. You're uh, you're the man. Thank you very much for joining <laughs> the show. This, uh, yeah, you, you covered everything I asked with, uh, you know, you answered every question with love and passion. Uh, you know, how long you've been working in pro hockey, you still sound like you're a kid on the first day of the job, you know, so you can tell you love what you do. And like, again, uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. Justin, appreciate it. Again, I love uh, talking hockey and anytime you want to talk hockey, I'm I'm in for it. If we ever start a music podcast, you might be the first guy. So we'll we'll just talk strictly music (laughs) one day. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Wendell, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Y'all know the doctor, Dr. John, Mac Rebenack. Come on, Mac. and thankfulness to the band and all the fellas.